Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Your host is Dr. Mark French. Mark's passion is helping organizations motivate their teams. This podcast is focused on bringing out the best in leadership through creating strong values, learning opportunities, teamwork, and safety. Nothing is more important than protecting your people. Safety creates an environment for empathy, innovation, and empowerment. Together, we'll discover meaning and purpose through shaping our safety culture. Thanks for joining us this episode. And now, here is Dr. Mark French. And welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. Hey, I am your host, Dr. Mark French, and it's good to be back with you this week. After a couple of weeks of missing the podcast, I, uh, I'm back and behind the mic and ready to go. Uh, again, just bad scheduling on my part. <laughs> anyway, good to be back. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I can't thank you enough for that. And let's just jump on in. Uh, I'm actually going to tell the story here, and I will bring it back around. Uh, but I'm going to tell the story that just recently happened to me. And I want to use that to kind of show where we get ourselves as, as, I think, as organizations, as larger groups when things happen. So I'm, I did some flying this week, had to go up to a city and back home. Flew up, no trouble. On the way home, uh, I get my bag gets chosen by TSA to be searched a little further because something is in there. Turns out it's my razor. And I, you know, I don't argue. That's one thing I have learned. It doesn't get you anywhere. It's not going to work. They're just doing their job. Uh, and they didn't make the law. They didn't make the, the process. They didn't have to evaluate. They're just doing what they've been told to do and taught to do and they're following their training and they're doing their work. Did it, was I upset and and happy that one of my items got taken away from me? Absolutely not. That stinks. I hate that. Uh, I don't think it's common sense. I think there was no common sense approach to what happened, but it happened. And that's not okay from my standpoint, but from the fact that he had to do what he had to do, the, the, TSA officer did his job as he was supposed to do it. Now, the inconsistency of how can you fly out with it, fly back in, I've got lots of questions about things like that. And I think that's a lot of the argument is there's a lot of personal judgment that has to go into it, but that personal judgment comes from the training they receive. It comes from the organization. It comes from the culture of that local jurisdiction. And I lost that item. And then I, once I sat down and started thinking about my item that I no longer had as I sat there and thought about like what led to this other than me not being more prepared. I mean, usually I'm better prepared to know what is and is not. I probably still wouldn't argue because it wouldn't get me anywhere. But I began to think about by me making the choice to fly, I give up certain rights. I uh, hear to whatever I've been subjected to because they have the right to make those discretionary decisions. I remember years ago, 
uh, reading an article, and I cannot even remember like the the whole reason behind it. But there was some pressure from outside entities to for the government to get involved in something, and I cannot remember exactly what it was. But the organizations came together, whomever this group of people that would be affected by the law, and said, if we don't self-govern in a very positive way, if we don't figure out a way to create a consensus standard that we will all agree to as this type of work, and we do it independently, the government is going to get involved. And when the government gets involved, common sense goes out the window. <laughs> I paraphrase that, but that's what it was. It was these organizations recognize that within their their work group, whatever, and I, I think it was actually a firearms thing where they were looking at, I forgot exactly even what it was. It may have been even in like an alcohol thing, but I think it was an ATF thing. And this has been years ago, but they decided on a consensus standard to that they would enact within themselves, publicize it, put it out there so that the government wouldn't get involved in lawmaking for that issue. And they would just, they would govern it with a common sense approach that they felt was appropriate and safe before the government could get involved in rulemaking. I think of that now as OSHA in a lot of ways, because organizations couldn't stop hurting people, maiming people, killing people. They thought it was okay, which still blows my mind that you can think that doing some of those things were okay, even to this day, still think it's okay and let it happen. And then we end up with laws. I've had so many discussions with people about OSHA recordability or confined spaces or lockout tagout. And they say, well, that doesn't make common sense. That just doesn't make sense. And I'm like, it, it, it's not supposed to. It's a law. It was written to be a law, a piece of paper that can be debated, that can be a spirit or the intent. It was written to be a legal Thing, not to be a common sense approach and a practical user-friendly approach. It was written to be a law. We have to follow the law as it says, not with our intent, not with our interpretation, but with the law's interpretation that has happened. And I think there's a lot of safety people who have had to have those discussions that, yeah, it may not seem like that's a common sense approach to hazard prevention, but because of the lack of self-regulation, the lack of reduction, or the lack of not actually hurting or killing people, the government got involved and made a law. And here is this law, and we will have to follow it as it states, not as we feel like it should be, because years ago people couldn't control themselves. We are, we are that product of what just happened. And we see it even today, like there are laws being governed, and OSHA has proposed laws coming potentially coming into effect because we weren't able to self-govern before we, and I say we, it's not the, probably the we listening to this podcast, let's be honest. It's the others out there. But if we can have an influence as those who are understanding and be less accepting of how others can do things and get away with it, hopefully it, it prevents lawmaking that is unnecessary or too broadly accepted. And that's where I think about the TIA, not that we could control a lot of that, but the law was written. It was enacted. It was given its peace 
And part of it says there's discretion that can be made there. Discretion was made. <laughs> and so we are a product of that. When it comes to safety, when I look at the safety programs, I look now at some of the disturbing like funding issues that are being discussed in Washington right now of reducing funding for OSHA, that bothers me a lot because I know that is needed because we weren't able to self, we still as let's say companies, as employers of the entire United States, there's way too many fatalities. We know that there's way too many people that get hurt. We are proving that we can't self-govern even with laws in place. Therefore, we need more people looking out and going out there and looking. Does it need to be better focused? Does it need to have a better? Yes, there's always an opportunity for improvement, for more fairness, for a lot of different things. I think there's a lot of ways that it can be improved. Absolutely. But where we are right now is because we were unable to figure it out internally and fix it. We treated people as a disposable resource, and it can't be done that way. It absolutely should not, cannot. That's why we do what we do as safety people is we want to go beyond the law. We know the law is the base, the very first rung of protection for people, and we want to take it further. We want to go above. We want to look for ways that we're preventing and helping our team. So in some ways, we do look toward like the consensus standards, VPP, ISO, things like that, that help us show that we are willing and able to go above and beyond. Let's come back after a short break, and we will talk more on the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. You are listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast with Dr. Mark French. DSDA Consulting. Learn you. Lead others. The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is an amazing tool. Problem is that it can be easily misinterpreted. Dr. Mark French is MBTI certified and ready to help you discover your inner strengths. The MBTI assessment can help with team building, stress management, communication, conflict management, and so much more. Individual and group sessions are available to help you discover what makes you great. For more information, visit us on the web at tsdaconsulting.com. And welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So the first half of the podcast, I kind of went off on a tangent there, just thinking out loud in a way, a little stream of consciousness about how we have these laws that are in effect. And I kind of want to transition to my next kind of larger topic that really struck me because of a news story and because of some work that I've been doing with my, we'll call it my day job work as a, as a safety HR professional for an organization, that it struck me as very interesting and something that I talk about very frequently as, as a company that our, we, we service other organizations. So we would come to a site and we do work. We do energy conservation work for companies. So you call us, we come in, do an audit evaluation, we do a construction project or an upgrade project that would ultimately save energy, greener world. But we are a subcontractor or a contractor on the side of a usually a much larger organization. And one of the things I've always tried to express 
even when I was hiring in or being part of that evaluation, and I've talked about this a little bit before, being when you're hiring in that subcontractor, when you're bringing someone in to your company to do work, you need to make sure you're not just going for the lowest bid. You're looking for the best value in the work, but you're also looking for someone who is going to uphold your name. Because when the things go wrong, if the things go wrong, it's not the usually the contractor's name in the newspaper, or at least if it is, it's buried in like paragraph seven. It's the name of the company that hired them that's in the headlines, like injury at whatever place, fatality here. And the story that I came across from a few weeks ago uh, was the Brown Foreman Distillery, unfortunately, had a contractor doing some brick work that fell and still under investigation and resulted in a fatality. And that's, again, they're, it's tough. I never like to hear about a fatality. And uh, what I really, when I dig into that and I see that, well, it was a contractor, but what was interesting and I kind of looking at this point of it, it didn't say the name of the contractor. It didn't label that business name until well down into it or the name of the individual till well down into it. The headline was fatality at Brown Foreman. And you looked at the, I look at the internet and I was looking at that to see if there was more information. And that's what almost every headline read. And so as a contractor, as someone who comes to sites, I want to make sure that companies understand that we know that, that I know that as a safety professional, that if you go with the lowest bid, if you look for the cheapest contractor and you don't look at their safety programs, you don't even ask if they have a safety program, that's the risk you take for your brand because that is what's going to be in the news the next day. When there was a, I've seen it a few times where different larger companies, when a confined space issue happens and there's injuries or a release, it's usually a subcontractor that was doing the work, but it's the name of the company that's in the headlines. And if you're part of a company as a safety professional that is hiring in these contractors, safety has to be a part of it. And I have had a lot of interesting discussions with purchasing departments, large capital departments. Some are really good. They want to evaluate safety. They, they would have the safety manager's signature on it or a safety vice president or someone's signature that reviewed that company to say that they are safety acceptable or environmentally acceptable to be a contractor. There's even companies out there that do that certification now and you, you get your grade and you look at it online, you submit your paperwork as a contractor and then the client can decide based on that, that grade whether or not you can come to work for them. So there's a lot of solutions out there. The solution that's unacceptable is not to ask. To simply look at the cost that's on a piece of paper and say, well, they're the cheapest, let's bring them in, let's get it done. That is a recipe for disaster because if they're the absolute cheapest by a lot, they're shortcutting something, whether it be the pay of their people, the benefits of their people, the safety of their people. And roofing companies, not calling that out specifically, it's just the one that came to mind immediately, is looking at the roofers that have a fall protection system and the one that don't. I know which one was the cheapest bid. I know which one's going to give you the highest quality too because they care. They've invested. They're doing their due diligence. They're doing what's right for their team and for their people. That's what's important. 
and as clients. And I've had those, again, I'll go back to my first point there, of the discussion with purchasing to make sure that we're protecting our brand by doing that evaluation if we didn't do it before. And there's, I've worked for smaller companies that needed to make sure we evaluated that. I've worked for bigger companies that had a nice system in place. And now that I'm on the other side, kind of for the first time, I see the importance. I see the marketability. And I'm proud that we use that as an opportunity to tell people that you're getting a quality service. You're not just getting the cheapest service. You're getting a service that cares and understands and is a partner. And I always see that as an opportunity to be a partner with whatever subcontractor, whatever contractor, whatever vendor. There's a partnership there that we have to each work together to protect our brand, protect our people, protect the things that are most important to our company. And you see that. So there's the key. We protect what is most important to our company. Is it people? Is it a brand? Is it money? You see those things very quickly. You make those decisions. You may say one thing, but here is where you see the truth of it, is how we act and react and how what we evaluate and where we put that effort. So it's something really that I think about frequently is where did the effort go? Did we make that effort to assure that we were doing the right things, that we're doing the correct things, that we're trying our best? Is there a such thing as perfect? No. Am I perfect? <laughs> Laughable. Not even close. Not even close. But I'm looking every day for a way to be better. That's important. That's the piece of it that makes the difference is are you looking to be better? Are you always thinking about where we make those improvements, where we drive those improvements? Well, I appreciate you. Here we are at the end. The music is telling me I've only got a little bit of time left. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your time. It's good to be back behind the microphone. I'm excited as we enter the holiday period and as we march toward the end of 2023 of what we are going to be able to accomplish in the world of safety and leadership. And this podcast hopefully will be a part of it. So until next time we chat, please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. More content is available online at www.tsdaconsulting.com. All the opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.